0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopsHype podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Sports Business Classroom, who have an upcoming event called GM Academy from December 27th to the 29th. So be sure to log on to SportsBusinessClassroom.com for more info on that. But right now, our HoopsHype salary cap expert, Yozy Goslin, and my unofficial Paisan joins me <laughs> to discuss the future of the Portland Trailblazers, including their GM search and their roster looking ahead. And we're also going to get into the Indiana Pacers, who could be sellers at the trade at the trade deadline coming up soon. Uh Yossi, I think first off we'll start off with Indiana. Um, you know, there's been talk of the Pacers moving Miles Turner for three years as he noted on a recent episode of the Hoops High podcast with me. And you'll see, this is a quote from Miles Turner that I think is pretty uh, relevant. He said, the organization is going to do what's best for the organization. They're not inclined to care about your feelings in a sense. Now that I see myself in these rumors all the time, it's just like another day for me. It's like, oh, what else is new? Uh, you know, some scouts and executives have pointed out his fluctuating minutes under Rick Carlisle as kind of a hint that he'll be the one that ultimately gets traded. You know, time will tell with that. Uh, Turner's 25 and he signed through next season. Uh, same scenario for Karis LeVert, who signed through next season at 27. And you got DeMonte Sabonis, who's got two more years on his deal, uh, but he's a little bit more proven as a two time All Star at 25. I mean, Yossi, for me, when I look at the trade landscape, the team that I think everybody in the league looks at right off the bat are the Golden State Warriors. Their position is the team in the league with the most assets and the ability to pull off any kind of deal if they choose. You know, they like what they have right now, but if they want to make an upgrade, uh, to me, on paper, Miles Turner is someone who fits Golden State. Uh, with his ability to stretch the floor and block shots the question for me and i think for a lot of people would be if golden state values him more than james weissman and as a better fit for their core i don't see a deal getting done between either of those teams without those players being involved in some type of swap and charlotte the hornets have also flirted with the idea of trading for miles turner over the past couple of years. I think he'd be a good fit alongside that young core if he ended up there. Uh, He'd be an upgrade over Mason Plumlee and P.J. Washington at center. I I just wonder how much of this is going to be a rebuild versus a retool because Rick Carlisle, in my opinion, Rick Carlisle signing up for a rebuild after just taking the Indiana job doesn't strike me as making a whole lot of sense. Yeah, you can have uh, a little bit more latitude with the franchise if you're rebuilding and have more time. But, you know, Rick's a guy that I know he's won a title before, but I think of Rick as more of a guy that's a, a playoff-type coach, not a guy that's going to rebuild a program. So, I mean, you see that's the way I kind of see the landscape right now when I look at the Pacers. Um, what do you think, brother?
1: So a lot to unpack with all the news from Indiana today. And I'm surprised that they – you know, that they've decided to go in this direction. Uh, and I'll be, I'll be as well curious to see how deep of a rebuild this truly will be. Um, Was Rick Carlisle. I, that's, that's definitely a tricky one, a tricky situation because I would have to assume that he's somewhat on board with this. Cause I, I don't think, you know, he just signed, he just, he just started with them and maybe he helped Lee get to this conclusion that maybe they should take a step back. This team might not be good enough. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I'm sure if, I'm sure if things change down the line, maybe he wants to go elsewhere. I'm sure they could work something out, but you know, he's still got, I think three years left on his deal. So I would assume he's, I would want to say, I would assume he's somewhat on board with this because it doesn't sound like they want to do a full on rebuild. So, uh, regarding what, came out today. Shams did a really great job detailing the Pacers' uh, like history under Herb Simon their, pl- their past 20 years in which they never went through a full-on rebuild. Like when they traded Paul George, they didn't they didn't really uh, get a lot of... Young- they weren't really getting young picks. They got a veteran in Oladipo and I got one young player they really liked and it's a bonus. So uh, just looking at that type of deal maybe could be somewhat of a, a guide for what they might be looking at because a full-on rebuild means, okay, they're going to trade uh, their center, one of their centers are uh, Levert, whoever, from their starting lineup, trade them for picks and young players. Um, rebuild, when you hear the word rebuild, that's, I think that's, that's what came to my mind, that they're probably going to do those types of deals, but we'll see, and my feeling is maybe that's not the case, so... I spoke, and I spoke earlier today with Tony East of Locked On Pacers, and he told me it'll be more of a retool, in his opinion. Uh, so yeah, rebuild could imply a huge sell-off, getting a lot of young players, uh, picks. Uh, he isn't sure that that's the route they'll go, and I think he makes a great point because, uh, like their history suggests, maybe they just want to take a step back this year, get a good pick this year, and then maybe. You know they might not they might be just as bad the following year and then maybe just like a two-year bump maybe they'll be competitive again shortly after so time will tell what they really what what they're really trying to do when when this came out um and then you know you bring up the centers shams does mention that the pacers are uh, open to trading one of turner sabonis and turner sabonis that's like the the big that's like Coke or Pepsi in Indiana? Like, which one do you prefer? Um, you know, I would. if I had to guess, I think they have to weigh. Do you want more value or do you want, uh, or yeah, that's the main thing because Sabonis, he's already a two time all star. I would imagine you're going to get bigger offers for him. But at the same time, I think they might get maybe even more offers for Turner just because in my opinion I think you could plug in Turner so well to so many teams uh, Turner he's been he, he's just he's got the two-way ability and I, my feeling is yeah they might not get as much for him as a bonus but they'll definitely get the most interest which could really drive up his the return that could get for him uh, for Turner you, you I think you nailed you hit the two teams that I'm looking at the most the Warriors and the Hornets uh the Warriors they w- I think if they want to get uh Sabonis or Turner uh I think they can get it done the, they just really have to decide that you know do they really want to trade some of their young players to get one of those guys I I'm not sure it's tough because they might be good enough as it currently as they currently stand to win the title if they get Turner in my opinion it might be that's probably it like you the warriors are going to be, I think they'll probably win the championship. Uh, it'll, they'd be the overwhelming favorites. So that's the, that's what they got to, uh, really got to decide because, you know, they got a good future ahead of them as well with their recent, um uh, first round picks. And, um, it'll, I, I'm not sure what they should do, but if they do something I could imagine, you know, maybe Wiseman, uh, gets at some fat salary filler, some future picks. They could, I think they could get Turner without trading any of, uh, their big three or Wiggins. So that would be a really, really deadly lineup. And then Charlotte, you mentioned Charlotte that that's, and I, I think, yeah, I've, I've seen reports over the years that they've been interested in him. I think they, they might be the team with the biggest need for a guy like miles Turner. He would be an awesome fit with them in their starting lineup. Um, They wouldn't, they can make a trade pretty uh, easily as far as salary matching goes. They've got a lot of young players, like their first round picks this year Book Knight, Kai Jones, uh, JT Thor. They can offer multiple picks. If you look at the Hornets roster, I think they really, like, he just screamed like an an incredible addition to them. Uh, They need to improve their defense. Their defense. Uh, you know, they they already have a lot of they're already really good on offense, or like fourth in the league when I last checked a couple days ago. And Turner, he he's a better offensive player than Plumley, so he would definitely boost them both the ways, in my opinion. So, uh, those are the two teams I would love to see the most acquire him.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, Yelsey, when you know you're evaluating a guy like Miles Turner defensively. Miles Turner is right up there with Rudy Gobert as the top shot blocker in the league. Uh, and I think that for his ability, what separates him is his ability to shoot the ball um, that, that teams are going to look at and find interesting. He's not, he's at a good price range for what he's at. You can incorporate him into a bunch of different trades, and then you'll have him looking ahead for next season, too. Plus, then, you know, obviously he's going to become a free agent, but then he'll be entering the prime of his career. So I think it still makes him an attractive piece. Uh, I just think if you're Indiana, you know, they've got Gogo Batadze there as well, Uh, their younger center that they drafted in the first round a couple of years ago. They're going to want to see what he can bring to the table at some point. Only way you're going to do that is if you move off one of those guys. And out of the two, you would think Miles would be the guy. Um, but with that said, I think, you know, like you touched on miles with the warriors that that would be just elite. And I think he fits them better than on paper than James Weissman does. Who's more of a pick and roll kind of guy, uh, to this point in his very, very young career. Um, but you know, we'll see what ends up happening with them. And, you know, see, the Pacers may not be the only team making trades ahead of the deadline in a few months. The Portland Trailblazers could also move C.J. McCollum and other key rotation players. Uh, In a little bit, Yossi and I will have more on that possibility coming up after a quick break. Are you ready to jumpstart your career in the business of basketball? Are you looking for a leg up as you pursue your dream job of working in basketball? If so, Sports Business Classroom's GM Academy was designed for you. From December 27th to the 29th, learn and interact with executives from around the league, including Tommy Shepard, John Hammond, Calvin Booth, and Ryan McDonough. This one-of-a-kind program will give you the opportunity to experience what it's like during the trade deadline, draft day, and more. Head over to sportsbusinessclassroom.com to sign up. That's sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Welcome back, everyone. uh, Yossi, in speaking with, NBA executives and, and others around the league, you know, before going on a break, we touched on how it could be a, a bit of a fire sale almost in Portland as well. Once they get a new regime, uh, if they if they decide to go that route in the front office, so in speaking with NBA executives and others around the league, uh, some new names have come up as potential candidates to keep an eye on for Portland's general manager opening, including Sharif Abdul-Rahim, the president of the G League, and. Uh also Michael Winger, the GM of the Clippers. You know, both names have come up recently, and and Jake Fisher noted this as well on, on Bleacher report. Um so you'll see I look at these guys from a couple of different angles. First of all, uh the late Paul Allen and, and Steve Ballmer were at Microsoft, and uh there was a, a relationship there with the Allen family, and uh Ballmer considered Allen a great friend and a mentor. What I'm curious of is if this could be a good or a bad thing for potentially Winger's candidacy. Because would Jody Allen want to go and get a guy that's doing a good job for a family friend as the number two guy? Um, You know, but there are some notable connections for Winger that would make sense with the Blazers. He had Chauncey Billups as an assistant coach with the Clippers. Uh, when both were in L.A. And, you know, when you look at the potential pool of candidates that's been out there, outside of Danny Ainge, Winger has the most front office experience. He's been in the league's biggest market in L.A. with the Clippers for five years, and conversely with the smallest. He was with the Thunder for seven years, and he also worked in Cleveland, too. So he's got experience in with both types of front offices, certainly a rebuild uh through the draft with the Oklahoma City Thunder and with the Clippers and acquiring star players. Those are two means of building a team that you're going to need. Sharif Abdurrahim is a bit of an interesting name for me, a guy who's had experience with the NBA's front office, with the league front office, and running the G League and, and helping to assemble the G League Ignite. He's got ties to the Pacific Northwest from working with the Kings. He played for the Blazers briefly. And also, you know, attended Cal. So I I, th- I thought that would be an interesting out-of-the-box idea. Uh, he's also got ties to Damian Lillard through Aaron Goodwin and, and that representation there. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go um, within that. But also, you know, some people would look at maybe a guy like Winger and they might say, well – He's a GM with the Clippers. who would he take a lateral move and and go to the, the Trailblazers? But it's not, um, you know. He's the number two guy behind Lawrence Frank. Think of it as you know. For those that are listening, think of it for uh, a guy like Trajan Langdon, uh, you know, Bobby Webster, Brian Wright, Andy Ellisberg. All these guys are titled have the title of GM, but they report to someone ahead of them. You know, Trajan for uh, David Griffin, Bobby Webster with Masai. Brian Wright with R.C. Buford and Andy Ellsberg with Pat Riley. So, um, you know, it would be interesting to see. I think what a lot of people are going to want to know within this potential candidacy is, are those GMs going to have to report to Jody Allen and kind of include and educate her on the decision-making process there and what they're about? It seemed like Neil O'Shea pretty much had full autonomy there. I'm curious if that changes now. Um, you know, their interim GM Joe Cronin's been around and he's liked by a lot of people around the league. Um, you know, he's been at it for about a decade there. Uh, you know, you hear Tayshawn Prince come up. Yes, he's a name to keep an eye on. He has ties to Chauncey Billups as a former Detroit Pistons teammate. Um, I think with the contract they gave Chauncey, you're kind of going to need to find somebody that can help him make it work there. I, I don't see them necessarily looking to change course unless he's willing to give up a lot of money. And I don't see any reason why he would do that at this point. Um, you know, Dwight James, who's covered the Pacers for years out in Portland had noted the other day that Danny Ainge hadn't been contacted yet. Um, with his pedigree, he isn't the kind of guy that's going to interview for a position. He's either going to be offered the job or he's not, uh, he's on a different tier than the executives, Uh, comparatively uh, as far as who's out there right now based on his resume. So to me, I I think if you're looking outside the organization, based on the resume, Danny would be the first guy. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I can't speak for really a lot of the other guys uh, being in consideration, Uh, but, you know, if the Blazers, I'll just say if the Blazers were ever to actually trade Damian Lillard, I would want Ainge to be the guy who makes that deal.
0: Well, I don't know if they're going to trade Damian Willard, but you had touched on HopeSite.com, potential trade possibilities for C.J. McCollum. Now, C.J. McCollum was – Anil O'Shea was a stan of C.J. McCollum. Loved the guy. Did not want to part with him. Always believed in the backcourt tandem of he – and Damian Lillard. Obviously, it was, it's been one of the highest scoring duos in the league, uh, but we've seen how far they can get pretty much on their own as as the main focal point of the team. Now, they have an opportunity where maybe they can move CJ. Uh, obviously, Dame is their franchise star, and I think it's worth noting, Yossi, that Damian Lillard, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge left. Brandon Roy had to retire early, um, you know, and and – had injuries and you know was not a blazer for life. Damian Lillard, being the superstar that he is and, and wanting to be in Portland for life, I, I think that's something in their market they really have to consider. So when people talk about the possibility of Damian Lillard getting traded, that's a big factor that I, I don't know if people necessarily look at. I think a guy like CJ who's been on the cusp of being an all-star but has not been there you know, he's one of those guys that really great player that hasn't cracked through Tobias Harris is another guy, really good players that haven't made that, that all-star jump. Um, I would think on paper, he'd be more likely to go out of the two of them. And you touched on some guys that could potentially make sense as we get a couple of months of closer to the trade deadline.
1: Yeah. So I've written about Portland a good amount over the past few months after they got eliminated versus Denver I touched on how I thought they were at a a crossroads and uh, I feel like the team reached somewhat of a ceiling and they're going to have to really improve their defense, especially on the bench if they're really going to make some noise in the West with this core. And, you know, they did some, they made somewhat of an effort, got Larry Nance. uh, They uh, hired Chauncey Billups who, they they hired him as a defensive coach, uh, defensive minded coach. And, uh, things have not worked that, that, uh, it hasn't really worked at all. The defense there, it's even worse than last year as of now. And you know, I, you can, you, you, now you're kind of back at the asking that same question, like, you know, you, you're back at like wondering, are they really, are they at a crossroads? And I think it's even more obvious now than it was six months ago and everyone's up you know the noise about Danny Lillard is going to be there anytime a team is struggling and also going through some uh, reorganization your people are going to wonder like what are they going to trade are they going to completely blow it up are they going to trade their franchise player I don't think that's going to happen this year um, but uh, you bring up CJ McCollum and uh, so yeah I wrote about how look in the end I think if the Blazers are going to make a significant change specifically to improve their defense and hopefully try to save their season. You're probably going to have to move CJ largely because he holds a lot of value. He's got uh, several years left on his deal and, uh, he, he's got the salary to make the, make a big type of deal. So, uh, and I mainly talked about Ben Simmons. Uh, that's been a huge discussion on, uh, with an NBA media. Uh, and look, everyone and their grandmother has plugged in CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons in the trade machine. And if you're Portland right now and you're weighing a rebuild versus trying one last tail Mary to make things work, I think right now you you should do that trade if it's, if it's, uh, if it's actually real, you know, in the cards, uh, especially, at the price that Shams reported the other day where they had discussed uh, McCollum and one of their young players like Anthony Simons or Nazir uh, Little and then uh, potentially a first-round pick. Look, uh, if, would, if you take away all the drama that happened in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons this summer, that is a low price for Simmons. And assuming he comes back and, you know, assuming he plays and there's no issues and he's looking as good as ever you know you bought him for very low and now you, and, and if things change later uh look like obviously you trade for Simmons you're hoping to improve on defense and at least you want to make a home court in the west that the four seeds wide open right now and you know so if and if things don't work later i think you're in, they'll be in an even better position to sort of rebuild if you've got a guy like Simmons uh, who'll still be 25 you can still keep him if you're going to do a rebuild later Or you can probably get more than what they would have given up for him. Uh, So, you know, that's the main trade that I discuss the most. I I think everyone is trying to speak that one into existence. It's definitely a fun one. Uh, And then as far as, like, another player who's close to Simmons caliber, but, you know, know, not there, but, you know, he's an all-star. Pascal Siakam has an identical salary as Ben Simmons. A lot of the arguments uh, and versatility that Simmons would bring to uh, help the Blazers, I think you could apply a lot of that for Siakam. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't think, I don't know, I obviously don't know if he's available, but that will be something to monitor, uh, seeing depending on how Toronto's season goes. Uh, and then I just talk about some other players. I did mention Miles Turner, obviously, who, who's going to be available now. Uh, so yeah, look, I, I, I agree with you that I most likely, I mean, I, I feel like at some point there's a good chance the Blazers will blow it up. But for now, I think if you can, if you can get a good defensive minded player who can potentially, I, I really think it, it might, there, there's a good chance a, a, a McCollum trade, might be it it won't solve all their problems but it could really be a quick fix
0: my thing when i look at the blazers i just feel they've tried it with dame and cj for so long and now there are some executives i've talked to and, and as well as in agreement with my own opinion that uh if they were running the show in portland they would start a rebuild um to me You can get, first of all, Norman Powell, who you just signed, is 28. He's in the prime of his career. You can move him. He's played well enough, and he signed long-term for the future. Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic, playoff teams, could be looking at them as rentals before they hit unrestricted free agency. uh, That could help swing the balance a little bit for their rotations. CJ, I certainly think, has plenty of value. And, I mean, Damian Lillard would be the crown jewel of the trade market because, you know, Washington has improved and Chicago has improved. And a lot of people around the league were hoping that, you know, maybe Zach Levine or Brad Beal would hit the trade market. That's really unlikely at this point, given the success of their teams. So Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum on paper would be probably the most attractive trade piece you can get out there overall. So, to me, if I was Portland, I'd blow it up like dynamite. I really would. And at a certain point, I just don't see a scenario where they're going to be able to retool and be competitive. We've seen it. Uh, You know, they haven't been able to get over that hump. And it's not anybody's fault. Like, it's not CJ's fault. It's not Dame's fault. They just haven't had the right pieces around them. And if you don't move one of those two guys, I don't really see how they're going to be able to get that third guy right now. Um, that's that to me. That's the biggest issue for them.
1: Yeah, and it, look, you make great points, and I think it is fair to to ask if it is fair to question whether they can really compete with this core. Uh, and if you have to ask me, like ultimately, yeah, I probably I think in the end they probably will blow it up. Like that's you know just I think this core has reach its limit and uh, you know I, I do think it's worth trying a little more just a tiny bit more you still have some more time and uh, you know a lot of you're, you talk about getting a third guy unfortunately I think Portland could have had a third guy maybe gotten one at some point in the past three to four years had a had their spending in 2016 not happen that really uh just that made things too expensive for them between 2016 to 2020. And maybe they would have had more flexibility at some point, had they not, uh, gone overboard with the spending in 2016. Um, <clears throat> but, um, Oh, well, I, I still think that's right for right now, you can probably just try a little, just one more type of, uh, deal. I think the rebuilding option—it's not going anywhere. They can they can start right now, but I they still got a lot of these guys. Like you mentioned, Norman Powell—he's on a very good deal. They can. I think the option comes uh, in the summer now. At the same time, I don't think that they should completely uh, uh, leave rebuilding or making certain long term moves. I don't think they should completely ignore that. Because uh, you you do have Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic, they're on expiring deals, uh, and I think even if they were to make like a CJ Simmons type of trade, uh, I think at the same time you should they should be looking at uh, potentially moving Covington and Nurkic. And Woj did say in his in his report today that they have solicited offers on those two. Uh, they're both set to be unrestricted free agents, and I don't. I don't think they really haven't been quite as productive as they were before. Um, I've discussed previously on our podcast how both players, they're extension eligible right now, uh, but they haven't gotten one. I I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem like they'll be getting one. Just there's some with, especially with the reorganization going on. uh, Makes sense to have discussions on these players just based on their contractual situation alone. So if there is going to be, some sort of light rebuilding. I could see it being through them. Uh, when it comes to the, the players with more years on their deal, uh, I could see that being postponed to the offseason.
0: Well, there could be a lot of movement in Portland from the players being on the move to a new front office coming in, as we discussed. Then, Yossi, speaking of NBA executives, a few of them will be at an upcoming event for Sports Business Classroom. It's GM Academy. We'll discuss that and more coming up after a quick break. Are you ready to jumpstart your career in the business of basketball? Are you looking for a leg up as you pursue your dream job of working in basketball? If so, Sports Business Classroom's GM Academy was designed for you. From December 27th to the 29th, learn and interact with executives from around the league, including Tommy Shepard, John Hammond, Calvin Booth, and Ryan McDonough. This one-of-a-kind program will give you the opportunity to experience what it's like during the trade deadline, draft day, and more. Head over to SportsBusinessClassroom.com to sign up. That's SportsBusinessClassroom.com. Welcome back, folks. Joining me now on the Hoops High podcast is Albert Hall, the co-founder of the NBA Summer League and Sports Business Classroom, to discuss the GM Academy event coming up December 27th to the 29th. Albert What's happening specifically at the GM Academy event coming up here soon?
2: Well, Michael, thanks for having me. Yeah, we love to talk a little bit about what SBC has become. Um, over the last seven or eight years, we started this program uh, revolving around NBA Summer League and they're in Las Vegas. And obviously through COVID and remote learning, uh, we decided to, to create a virtual classroom during COVID in 2020, and it really took off. And so what we're trying to do is reach some of these students that are on break during the holidays. Everybody has a chance to kind of download and really re-gear towards what the the new year offers. And so what we put together is a GM Academy, the virtual experience. Uh, We did the Draft Academy last spring, and then GM Academy is going to bring in a number of uh, we have students that are interested in becoming you know part of a front office, whether it be in basketball or professional sports in general, and uh experts in their field who can provide kind of a framework, get your foot in the door, um, everything from a curriculum like basketball operations, the collective bargaining agreement, you know, coaching one-on-one. Um, and we're led by Ryan McDonough, former GM in Phoenix Suns. And the idea is really to bring in guys like you know Tommy Shepard and Calvin Booth, John Hammond, Andy Ellisberg, Raphael Stone, who are are living and breathing these these uh, these front office positions right now. They're in the middle of it. And really to share some insights for people who want to get a foot in, in this business. And really that's what this virtual academy will do over over the course of December 27th, 8th, and 9th. Put you in that position, and then the beauty of our virtual experiences, everybody participating. Actually takes place in a workshop, and they're they're assigned a team, and they will break down a, a trade scenario amongst themselves. So it's really interactive. Um, our digital platform it, it allows for all of this uh, connectivity to go on online, and really you, you you identify some sharp young young talent in this thing, as well as just give them real life experience.
0: Why should people look at signing up for for this particular event with the GM Academy and even other stuff with? Uh, sports business classroom. I mean, you guys have done other events out in Las Vegas when it's actually immersed at the summer league. Like why, why should people look at this type of program maybe as opposed to others?
2: Well, first and foremost, it's the network that you're becoming a part of. I mean, this network is really, really strong. As I said, we have a track record of uh, putting people into positions, uh, whether it be in the sports business, whether it be with an agency, a network a shoe company you name it i mean we have over 130 students who transitioned from this program into those types of positions since 2020 alone so when you put your name or your resume and you put sports business classroom at the top of that list it has some credibility it has some cachet and at the end of the day you passed a pretty pretty high arching test that shows that you can get involved you understand just the nuances of this business now obviously you you can't uh, get the experience until you're in that seat but the the key is everybody's got to get their foot in the door and GM Academy and any SBC property allows you to do that and the, the track record speaks for itself.
0: You know I think you talked a little bit uh, you touched on the network but I I don't know if people realize necessarily that there there is a a section on the site that that teams and you know companies can look at to try to pull talent and actually hire people.
2: Correct. Yeah, we, we've developed uh, essentially our own LinkedIn or our own Indeed section called VSL Talent. And everybody who participates in GM Academy has the opportunity to fill out a profile, uh, list that on there. So right away, you're networking with other colleagues and other constituents in that area who are also looking or who may have transitioned on to a, a position, a career in sports. So you're part of that network, but also as you touched on, You know, myself, co-founder Warren McGarry, Larry Kuhn, uh, Eric Pincus, Bo Bo Estes, Ryan McDonough, other people, Wes Wilcox, people reach out to us all the time about young talent. Hey, I need somebody who knows CAP. I know, I need somebody who, uh, a CBA specialist. I need somebody who can understand scouting or talent evaluation. And we have a list of all these people profiled on our portal And it's very easy to just forward them five or six names through links. Uh, We had a young man start at the NBA today uh, who who we did that exact thing for a few months back, went through the, the interview process and landed a position. So it's very easy to do that once you're part of this network. Again, the SBC network is strong, it's continuing to grow. And these properties and projects that we have all the time are evolving. So we're touching on not only what's happening in the marketplace now, but looking ahead at the future. Like, what's the trend in sports business? I mean, we were on social media when it was just starting out. Uh, you know, when we were doing the seat the 110 back in summer league years ago. So it's like there's a lot of opportunity in these spaces, but we're trying to predict the future a little bit with some of this curriculum.
0: Well, I mean, that's half the the battle is predicting the job market, looking ahead. And, you know, I have mentioned a little bit on the pod about the event coming up the GM Academy, December 27th to the 29th. But before you know it, it's going to be 2022. And I was curious if there are any other events that the sports business classroom is also going to have coming up in the new year that you wanted to touch on for the listeners that are tuning in.
2: Absolutely. You know, we we have another virtual experience coming up with our draft Academy, which will be around the NCAA tournament uh, most likely in March. So we'll start to promote those dates here shortly but that's one where we project we do the player evaluations of the players actually in the draft or excuse me that are coming in the draft but are participating in the ncaa tournament so that's a great one we bring in a lot of coaching the evaluation tools on that one that's coming up in march and then obviously the immersive that we do on site at the nba summer league in las vegas uh, which will take place this summer again i can't give you dates but you know july august period around then, um, which is, will definitely sell out. That's a one of a kind experience for everybody who participated in that. I mean, it's a who's who, it's a behind the scenes, you're part of the fabric of of what we do at Summer League. And then we have our on-demand courses as well. We have Larry Kuhn's CBA on-demand that is available at any time during, uh, by going to sportsbusinessclassroom.com. And then we are continually adding new and upcoming uh, classes and coursework on demand. So there's a lot to be had at Sports Business Classroom. Like I said, we have a great lineup of GMs and front office executives for this this next uh, GM Academy, as well as coaches, you know, Mike D'Antoni always pops in. Uh, we've got Caleb Canales and Jimmy Boylan teed up for this one. Um, Rachel Nichols is coming on board. Mark Jones is part of this program. Dennis Scott, I got like TJ out of we're trying to get in from Twitter who's really in that that forward-thinking space right now and then you know we've had mainstays like Bobby Webster and, and Chad Buchanan and Buzz Peterson and Wes and George Raveling, guys like that who come in um <clears throat> excuse me Lindsay Lindsay Harding with the Sacramento King, she's been fantastic from day one she's actually a, a former student at SBC who's now transitioned over to the coaching side you know one of the female coaches in the NBA bench here with Sacramento so lots to be had, a lot of knowledge. And then at the end of the day, the network is just unbelievable. All the students that participate, they tend to share information, they share contacts, and then they start to build their careers together.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on Larry Kuhn. I mean, Larry uh, in particular is probably the first guy I think of when you think of a cap guy that, you know, really studied the CVA. So certainly uh, I think he started a trend for some of the other Twitter capologists out there. Uh, And, you know, I got to give a shout out to my own colleague, Yosi Gaslin on that. He does a good job as well. Um, you know, Albert, I Yeah, there's
2: that's that's a big that's a big section. You know, we had a guy, Jeff Siegel, who was really uh proficient in that and the cap sheets and clutch sports just hired him recently and you know, guys like Kirk Goldsberry always come on and talk the analytics side. So yeah, there's just a plethora of information and knowledge to be gained and you know, we're really excited. It's a great setting and again, it's all about building your building your network and becoming part of one of the most powerful ones in the NBA
0: absolutely and uh you know what before you know it it'll be time for the gm academy again that's december 27th to the 29th you can check out uh the link on the hoops hype podcast you can go to sportsbusinessclassroom.com to find out more information and sign up we'll also have a a link that you can click on in the post on hoopsite.com when the podcast is published up there and albert appreciate you coming on uh share some time with me and and dive into it a little bit more on on what's on hand coming up soon and the events looking ahead when the calendar flips in 2022
2: i appreciate you having me, michael i mean we appreciate everything you guys do at Hoopsite. i i mean they're reading it for years and uh, look it only keeps getting better so kudos to you guys and, and thanks for supporting what we're doing with sports business classroom
0: absolutely and i appreciate the kind words and with that in mind i want to thank yossi and albert for joining me on this show I want to thank everyone else for tuning in as well. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. You can follow Yossi, too, at Yossi Goslin. And for more information on Sports Business Classroom, you can follow them on Twitter, too. They're at Sports Biz Class, B-I-Z. Until next time, I'm your host Michael Scott, wishing you and yours all the best.